Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Linda Gratton about her new book, Redesigning Work, How to Transform Your Organization and Make Hybrid Work for Everyone. Linda Gratton, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you very much. Very nice to be talking to you today. Yeah, it is a pleasure to be with you. I'm super excited for this conversation. You're joining us from London. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be exploring your recent book, Redesigning Work, How to Transform Your Organization and Make Hybrid Work for Everyone. I love that. It's, it's such an important topic right now. We're in the throes of the Great Resignation. Of course, we've been dealing with the COVID pandemic for the last couple of years. People have gotten a taste for the flexibility uh, and, and just the adaptability of being able to work remotely, yet many organizations are wanting to pull people back into the office. And this hybrid work model has become you know, kind of a nice compromise that many organizations and many employees have been uh, gravitating towards. And, and so we just need to figure out how to make this work for everyone. And, and really, how can we allow for the flexibility necessary for, to attract and retain great talent in this kind of tight labor market and still meet the needs of organizations? So this is what we're going to be exploring together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Linda's bio with everybody. Linda Gradden is recognized as a global thought leader on the future of work. She is a professor of management practice at London Business School, where she has worked for over 30 years. She is the founder of the Future of Work Research Consortium, which has brought executives from more than 90 companies together. She has written eight books that have been translated into more than 15 languages, including the 100-year life. Linda is a fellow of the World Economic Forum and has chaired the World Economic Forum Council on Leadership. She serves as a judge on the FT Business Book of the Year panel, chairs the Drucker Prize panel, and is on the governing body of London Business School. She wrote the cover article for Harvard Business Review in May 2021 and is regularly featured in the press. She has been awarded the Lifetime Achievement Award by HR Magazine and named by Business Thinkers 50 as one of the top 15 business thinkers in the world. What a tremendous background and resume, all the things you've accomplished. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to share your insights and experiences with me and my listeners. Anything else you would like to share with us before we dive on into the conversation? No, let's dive on in. 
Okay, wonderful. So why don't you start by just telling us about the why behind this book? Why did you uh, decide to write the book? What was the impetus for it? And then we can start to dissect it a bit. Well, thank you, Jonathan. You know, I've always been really fascinated in the world of work and how we work. And I've known for ages that need things needed to change. You know, fundamentally, the way many of us work started post the Industrial Revolution, when we moved into factories and then from factories into offices. And it was sort of the same, you know, go in every morning, do something, come out in the evening. And I didn't think that was working, but I'd written, you know, quite a lot about that saying, you know, there must be other ways of working, but I didn't really feel that people were listening or wanted to change. Once a pandemic came and so many people changed their habits, their aspirations, their hopes, uh, their behaviors, that I realized we had a chance here to really change the way we work. And that's why I rushed to write this book, to be sure that in March and April 2020, 2022, when it comes out this month, that people had a chance to take a really deep dive into how to design work better. And that's really what the book is. It's a deep dive into how you and me, whether you're running a small business or a, a multinational, whether you're just an independent, how can you work better and how can your organization help you to do that? Yeah. And I like in the title of your book, you talk about transformation, how organizations can transform. And you, you are heavily involved in the future of work studies and consortiums and bringing people together to talk about the future of work. The reality is the future of work will require a different type of organization, right? Different types of design jobs. Uh, and in fact, there was a new report, I think just out today uh, from the Josh Burson Academy about redesigning work and how we go about uh, work design. Um, I, I think that's a lot of what you're getting into in your book as well. And it just highlights what we all know to be true, I think, by this point, uh, is that, you know, the COVID pandemic really accelerated us into this shift and, and thrust us into the future of work even faster than we thought we were already going, right? Many mm -hmm. pundits thought, you know, five to 10 years out, we're going to be seeing X, Y, Z. Well, now we're kind of in it. Uh, in, a, in a lot of those predictions, because we were forced to, uh, because of the pandemic, and now more organizations have become more comfortable with the technologies, and, and just how to deal with organizational culture and onboarding and people management issues when you're working remotely or in a hybrid fashion. But the reality is that we just have to do things differently. We, we can't, the status quo won't uh, allow us to continue to innovate and, and add value to the market in the future in the same ways. Uh, and that's really at the crux of what your book, I think, is all about, that we just have to challenge assumptions, challenge the norms about the way work has functioned, challenge this notion of the eight to five, uh, you know, 40 hour work week kind of a mentality, and ultimately design work that's going to make sense for the people within our organizations. And if we don't do that, we're going to miss out. We're going to lose out on great talent because the great people have options and they're going to go to other places that have more meaningful, uh, thoughtfully designed work. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the one of the analogies I make in the book is the idea that when, you know, years ago, people started buying 
cars. They can only buy one type of car. It was a Ford, the T Ford, and they can only buy it in one color. It was black. And people were pretty happy to do that, frankly. I mean, you know, they'd never had a car before. Who cared what it looked like or what color it was? I think we were sort of like that with work. You know, it came in one package. You, you Either you take it or you don't. And, and we took it. But now what I'm seeing in the companies that I'm studying, and indeed the ones that I'm advising, is an enormous variety of how organizations are really trying to find a way of working that both allows them to be more productive and innovative, but also allows people to be engaged and purposeful. Take, uh, you know, one of the uh, the Canadian insurance companies, uh, 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 financial companies that said, you can work anywhere you want for three months a year. Imagine if you're working at Goldman right now in a sort of comparative uh, job and you saw that you'd be wanting to say well hang on why don't I have that and I think that's what we're going to see now particularly as you say in this time of the great resignation that we're going to have first mover companies that are saying look we think we can still be really productive and really engaged but do work very differently and I'm keeping a really close eye on those and just also seeing the challenges they face in making these decisions, for example, to work four days a week or to compress time or to allow people to work at home, et cetera, et cetera. These are really important experiments and what I'm doing right now is to watch how they're being played out and what impact they're going to have on the labor market, because you know, if you're a very talented person, you're gonna be looking around right now and saying, hang on, I actually want a car that's a different model and a different color. And the company that can say to you, I've got that, is the company you're gonna join and stay with. I think that's absolutely right. Um, so let's, let's start to break this down uh, in thinking about how we go about the redesign process. How do we start the process? We, if, we re- if we're listening and we're recognizing that, yes, the way we've always done things doesn't seem to make sense anymore, we need to be thoughtful about the redesign. How do we start that process so we can begin to transform our organization? Well, one of the things that I've done in, in the book, Jonathan, and it really has come from the advisory work I've been doing with large clients, is to say there's four things that you need to do. And, and I talk about them being you, know, you need to understand, you need to reimagine, you need to model what this thing could be, and then you need to activate it. Now, not everybody, not every company goes through all of those four steps in sequence, and some might come back. But, but fundamentally, I believe you need to start not actually by looking at what people want, but rather what the job requires. I really believe we need to look at jobs and say, how is this job gonna be done as productively as possible? And jobs come in different shapes and sizes. I mean, some of them have a huge focus, you know, element you've got to sort of really the sort of work that you and I do you know where we're sitting reading writing requires a lot of focus Uh, some are very much more about uh, coordinating with other people you know quite a lot of IT jobs for example are very coordinated some of them are highly cooperative Uh, I work with one of the big architectural firms and you know they've really got to be with each other each of those requires therefore a different model of work so if your job is highly focused all you need really is to be undisturbed so you if you're undisturbed at work that's fine but equally you can be undisturbed at home and that's going to be important if it's more about coordination then the real focus is on 
giving yourself time to coordinate with others, but not having too many meetings, which of course is a real problem right now. And if it's about cooperation, then you might say we really need to be together in an office or in an offsite to really be face to face to talk with each other about these things. So for me, that's the start. The start is really, if we understand these jobs, the job that you do, the job I do, how would we design work to best help us be as productive as possible? And once you've decided that, then you can go on to model what that might look like, to really look at the downsides that you've got to confront. So for example, we know that uh, in terms of coordination, people are spending far too much time coordinating in lots of Zoom meetings at the moment. So how do you change that? We know in terms of uh, if, if it's a focus job, that actually people who work from home get lonely, they come, become disconnected. So how do you confront that? Um, and similarly, in terms of cooperation, people might love to be in the office working with others, but they don't want to do it all the time. So actually finding a way of balancing both the positives, but also the, the negatives that come with that. That's really about intentional design. Check out my new book, The Future Leader, Creating and Transforming Next-Gen Organizations. Stemming from two decades of professional experience and over 600 in-depth interviews with executives, thought leaders, and scholars from across the globe, The Future Leader will help you explore the ordinary, everyday actions that will help you to prepare to lead in the future of work, to respond to an uncertain future, and to produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy courses, micro credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.
Yeah. And that intentional design, I mean, it's obvious, but what I hear uh, from what you're just sharing with us is that you need to be flexible to the demands of different types of work, right? It's, yeah. it's an obvious statement, yet how many organizations are set up that way? Most organizations are set up where you have one type of job design uh, for most types of jobs within the organization. There might be a little bit of variation, but mostly it's the same. And if that's remote, you know, that that might look one way. If it's hybrid, it might look one way. And if it's fully face-to-face, it might look another way. And so many organizations will point to, well, we just need to be consistent. It, it becomes too messy. It becomes too complex. People have too many different types of conflicting expectations. And so, it, you know, if, if we're going to bring everyone into work, we're just going to say, this is our, you know, eight to five model, uh, be in your office, butts and seats, whatever. And they lay out kind of a traditional design of work. And that's what we've seen for forever, right? That's, yeah. uh, that's the way that uh, desk jobs have looked for a really long time. The reality is though, we have to be willing to let go of a little bit of control. We have to be willing to uh, provide flexibility to different units, to different types of jobs, levels of jobs, so that they can do what makes sense for them. Uh, I've talked to many employers, many uh, managers and, and leaders who have wished that they had the flexibility within their organization to allow their team to work in a way that makes sense for them. And they just haven't felt like they had that flexibility. They've, yeah. they've really felt um, locked in to kind of this, this arcane model. Uh, so with that said, it's, again, it's an obvious statement that we need to allow people the flexibility to design work that makes sense for them. And it's going to be different for different types of jobs, different levels of jobs, different industries, whatever. There's all these differences. How do we help our, our executives uh, get past kind of the, the control model uh, yeah. that, that it so often permeates many organizations. Yeah. And I think, you know, I can understand if, if I was a CEO right now and you've just described to me what I have to do, I would certainly be going, oh, no, it would be so much easier just to get everybody back, wouldn't it? But, but here's the thing, as you rightly say, getting everybody back is going to probably reduce productivity and certainly increase attrition. Having said that, when you start designing different ways of working for different types of jobs, then, you know, look, as you rightly say, a big issue there is about it's messy. And a second issue is it's unfair. It could be unfair. You know, why is it that you've got something that I haven't? And that's why in the book, I talk so much about, you know, testing out what you're doing, but also also going through an act and create process where you work with people to make some agreement about what this might look like. And let me let me give you a couple of examples of that. You know, one would be uh, to say, look, we know that it's unfair, for example, that our uh, factory workers have to be in, in the same place every every day, whereas our office workers can work from home four days a week. That, you know, the, the factory workers are saying, hang on, that's not fair. Look, here's the thing. We, we have to be much more innovative and imaginative about flexibility. So certainly the office, the factory workers can't work from home, but they can have more time flexibility. And that's why in the book, I talk so much about thinking about it with regard to time as well as place. The most organizations have gone straight for place, i.e., 
in the office, out of the office. But I think time is actually just as interesting to start playing around with. For example, um, you know, some some organizations now are looking at four day weeks to see whether that's going to help productivity. Some are saying, why don't we compress the hours? Some are saying, let's think about sabbaticals, taking time off uh, and so on. And I think, therefore, we can address these issues of fairness. But to do so, we have to be a bit more imaginative. The second idea is about team agreements. And you mentioned that just before. What we know is that when organizations have really made this work, and we've we've seen a number that have, I've talked about it in the book, Sage, for example, one of the technology companies, the way that they did it is to engage people in deciding what is best for them and for the organization and then making team agreements about how they're all going to work together, and then being sure that the managers are then able to talk themselves with each other to try and iron out any issues of unfairness. So, you know, this is a lot more complex than simply saying to everybody, you've got to be in the office all the time. You can see why organizations are snapping back to that because it's so simple, but actually, we should never in organizations make choices just on the basis of it being so simple. I mean, that's most CEOs and leaders would never say that, you know, I just want to have everything simple. They acknowledge now that actually it's going to be complicated to design work. And that's what we've now got to do. We've got to do it intentionally. We've got to bring people along. We've got to be imaginative. And that's really what I'm talking about in the book, Redesigning Work. Yeah, yeah, well said. And the the scheduling flexibility component that you just described, I think is so, so important uh, when we talk about frontline workers, when we talk about part-time workers in all the various industries, supply chain, um, types of jobs, retail, whatever, right? Uh, clearly, people need to be there in person for many and most of these types of jobs. But can you uh, provide a little bit more flexibility in how the scheduling is done? And this is actually an area that I've done quite a bit of research myself uh, across about uh, three dozen or so different countries, looking at the role of scheduling flexibility uh, in the overall engagement, satisfaction, and productivity of employees. And lo and behold, uh, people's engagement, satisfaction, and productivity shoots up, their commitment to the organization shoots up when they just have simple uh, amounts of autonomy around their schedule, right? Uh, in terms of, you know, is there some, maybe they need to work a weekend. Okay, great. But can they have some consistency on when they can expect days off um, so they can have structured weekend or time off uh, so they can spend time with their family and it's predictable. Yeah. Something yeah. as simple as that. Uh, yeah. can, can you mix it up so that people aren't locked into, say, uh, a morning shift, an afternoon shift, and uh, a graveyard shift? Uh, just there's there's all sorts of little, simple, subtle ways that we can provide flexibility in scheduling that will make a huge difference when people are considering uh, the type of work that they're going to do and the type of companies that they're going to join. So that that level of, of flexibility, not just place flexibility, flexibility, but scheduling flexibility is huge. Now, yeah. of course, of course, you, you go into a lot of uh, exploring hybrid work within your book and you talk about making hybrid work for everybody. Uh, that means it needs to work for 
vastly different types of jobs, different types of people, different levels. It also needs to work for the organization. So it needs to make sense on both ends. Otherwise it's, you know, it's, it's just going to fizzle out. Um, so what are some of the things that you talk about in your book in terms of how we make hybrid work for everyone? Well, I've made, I guess, two, and by the way, I so agree with you. And, and, um, and I think this word autonomy is such an interesting word, isn't it? Because organizations give flexibility, but you as a human are taking autonomy. You're taking the, the capacity for your own personal agency, you know, to see your daughter when she's at her, you know, Christmas carol at 10 o'clock in the morning, uh, that means a lot. So, and as you say, to have some sort of synchronous time. So you can say to your friends, I'll meet you uh, for coffee at five o'clock and not have that always canceled. So I, I do, so my two, my two big ideas really for the book is firstly, think about time and place. So don't just see hybrid as about, or the redesign of work as about office versus home. Also see it as real flexibility around, around time for all those people who don't have any flexibility. The second is start with a job and actually ask yourself, what is this job about? What, what would make this person doing this job really, really productive? Because at the moment, before COVID, so many of our working practices were really unproductive. I was looking back just uh, yesterday to the interview I did with uh, the, the, Canadian, uh, the Canadian financial uh, company. And they said, you know, we, we noticed productivity went up during COVID. And we went back and looked at all our data and asked, why is that? They said, well, actually what we realized is that the analysts who were working on really complex stuff were sitting in the office and they were being interrupted all the time. So it wasn't as if work was incredibly productive. It wasn't sitting in the office for an analyst who's working on complex data and trying to model stuff. That's no use at all. So what they began to realize is that, well, they would be much better out of the office working from their home. But then they said, well, actually, we also, during this period, got really good at coordination. We built our technical platforms so they were really strong. We could, we could share very secure data, feeling completely okay about that in terms of risk. So actually, if we say to somebody, you, you, need, you could work at home, why don't we say, and you can work anywhere? And that for them was the imagination that I speak about in the book. That was really imaginative. And that meant a lot because although it's a Canadian company, it brings talented people from all over the world. You know, so for example, the French uh, analysts would love to spend three months a year back at home with their, with, with their family and friends. You know, the person from Korea would love to do the same. This is a huge plus for them, but actually not only is it not a negative for the company, it's actually a plus for the company as well, because people were more productive when they had an opportunity to work undisturbed. And it's that plus plus that I think is going to be very important because I totally agree with you, Jonathan, that unless we can get this to actually activate high levels of productivity, this will all get pulled out within the next within the next year. You know, as soon as the next cost cutting goes, the first thing the CEO was going to say is, I want everybody back in, in the office again. And we can't let that happen, but to not let it happen, we really have to learn how to do it. 
Yeah, well said, Linda. This has been a fascinating conversation. We've only scratched the surface. We could go on and on and on, but I know at the time I'm going to have to let you go here in just a few minutes. Uh, before we close up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, find out uh, where they can find your book, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Okay, well, thank you. Well, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, of course. So just connect with me through LinkedIn, Linda Grattan. Uh, come on to my website, www.lindagratton.com, where I've got loads of resources, by the way, for, for you to look at and all the things that I've been have been writing. Um, I really believe that this is the time where we can change the way we work. Let's not go back to our old habits. Amen. <laughs> I really hope that. Uh, and and yeah. I think if organizations do, they're just going to get left behind. Uh, because again, yeah. the future of work trajectory, we, we saw clear patterns pre-pandemic of where things were going. We just thought it would take a little bit longer to get there. The pandemic has shoved us into it, accelerated us into those changes, and the changes are still inevitable. They're going to continue to happen. And yeah. think about you know, a couple of years from now, five years, 10 years from now, what we expect to see. If organizations retrench and go back to how things were, they're not going to be prepared for the future of work. They're going to, uh, they're not going to have people that are prepared. Uh, and ultimately, they're going to cease to be relevant in the marketplace, which of course is not what anyone wants. So let's, let's embrace this. Let's figure out how to do it well. Let's be flexible. And let's uh, really critically think about job design and how we can make it work for everyone in the organization. Linda, it's been a pleasure. I encourage Thank listeners you. to reach out, to get connected, find out more about your work, your book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. 
The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out my new book, The Future Leader, Creating and Transforming Next-Gen organizations. Stemming from two decades of professional experience and over 600 in-depth interviews with executives, thought leaders, and scholars from across the globe, the future leader will help you explore the ordinary, everyday actions that will help you to prepare to lead in the future of work, to respond to an uncertain future, and to produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy, courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill 
for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership. Ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.